Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, whoever thought Tucker Carlson would be out of there. Did you hear that yet today? Tucker Carlson out at Fox News. That's pretty wild. And uh, could it have anything to do with the recent settlement? Uh, Not a minor settlement. Welcome back, by the way. I hope you're well. This is Steve Noble, a $787 million settlement with Fox News and Dominion voting software. Uh, And then Smartmatic is up next. And then you've got the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell. He's being sued by these guys. Uh, if, if, If they got Anywhere near what they did with Fox News, uh, my pillow will be defunct. He'll be gone. So keep your eye on that. Uh, but it, it's an interesting turn of events, is it not? And then earlier today as well, Don Lemon, or perhaps Don Lemon, however you pronounce that. We have all these French names, allegedly. You got Don Lemon, Jean-Pierre, whatever, and the White House press secretary. So Wild. I was just I I tuned into Sean Hannity, uh, wondering what he was going to say, and he said essentially nothing. That you know, Sean Hannity's radio show is one thing; his Fox News gig is another, uh, and he's weathered the storms over there at Fox News all these years. He's been there for a long time, and he said he doesn't know anything. His phone's been blowing up all day. Uh, I'll, I'll assume that he's telling the truth. And so Tucker Carlson being now, where will he go? That's the question. He could pull a Bill O'Reilly. He could just launch his own platform. He's certainly got an enormous audience, the biggest primetime audience over there at Fox. He could do that. Uh, Might he go to the Daily Wire and and lock arms with Ben Shapiro? I don't know. Tucker's pretty big on his own. Would he go to the Blaze with Glenn Beck? I, I don't know of any... A long-term relationship they have, but Tucker's in the driving driver's seat in terms of his career. We'll see, but it, it's interesting to see what might happen because of what's going on with Dominion. So if you remember Dominion, that's the voting software that so many people, Don, Donald Trump's inner circle of MAGA hat people, were convinced was, you know, this is Venezuela. This is how Hugo Chavez got in. This is the whole thing. It's switching votes. There was that Dominion. And then there was Smartmatic. And and the day that the trial was going to begin last week, they came out with that $757 million settlement, one of the biggest defamation, defamation lawsuit settlements in history. And that was just Dominion software. That didn't even touch Smartmatic. And that was Fox News writing a check to Dominion for $787 million. And that wasn't really about uh, the regular hosts over there, the quote-unquote news hosts like Brett Baer or Dana Perino, Howard Kurtz. You know, they dumped, if you remember, hardcore Lou Dobbs was all over that, and they dumped him in February 2021. And then uh, Tucker was, was vocal about that. But then ultimately, I think by – here's what this article says. By November 20th, Tucker Carlson was tired of Sidney Powell – 
promising bombshell evidence and never delivering. Quote, we invited Sidney Powell on the show. We would have given her the whole hour. We would have given her an entire week, actually, and listened quietly the whole time at rapt attention. She never sent us any evidence, despite a lot of polite requests. When we kept pressing, she got angry and told us to stop contacting her. So there's that. Uh, a loose cannon host who is unpredictable and capable of saying anything, and Fox News is not the only network with on-air talent who fits this description, can end up costing his network hundreds of millions of dollars. That's just not more than the advertising. Uh, that's not just more than the advertising revenue of any one program. That's a large chunk of the advertising sales for the entire network over the course of a year. The cost-benefit analysis, this article says, of cable news personalities is about to change, and the market for you never know what he's going to say next is about to crash. We shall see, uh, because if if Carlson, if they bu- bump Tucker Carlson out of there, I mean, what about Sean Hannity? Sean Hannity's been pretty much a, the, the right hand media voice of Donald Trump for a while now. But who knows? I mean, I, I think this lawsuit with Dominion, seven hundred eighty seven million dollars was the settlement because I think the original lawsuit was a billion and a half is serious. And uh, now I think we're going to see both these gangs, the Fox News folks and Tucker Carlson pointing fingers at each each other. We'll see. Uh, It could get pretty ugly. So that's that's interesting that he was out. Don Lamont out and then CNN came out, out, blasted him later uh, earlier today after the announcement, saying that the way he was portraying it was uh, inaccurate. So (laughs) a claim of fake news. I don't know. That's pretty crazy. Speaking of people who are on the out, Anheuser-Busch places another top marketing executive on leave after Bud Light transgender controversy. Remember this with Dylan Mulvaney, who's just a hot mess. Dylan Mulvaney needs a lot of help. Anheuser-Busch has placed another top marketing executive on leave after one of its top brands, Bud Light, ignited controversy. Remember with Dylan Mulvaney? Right, that's the Bud Light fan base. Uh, A skinny, really messed up transgender guy. That, that was a great idea. The Wall Street Journal reported that Daniel Blake, who is in charge of marketing for Anheuser-Busch's mainstream brands, has been placed on leave over the incident. Blake is the boss of Bud Light Vice President of Marketing Alyssa Heinerscheid, Heinerscheid, that's it, who was also placed on leave late last week. Given the circumstances, Alyssa has decided to take a leave of absence, which we support. Daniel has also t- decided to take a leave of absence. Right, it's just coincidence. The report said that sources familiar with the matter indicated their decision to take a leave of absence was not voluntary. Shocker. There's some more in this article that's just fascinating. The report said that Anheuser-Busch is making internal adjustments with its marketing department to ensure that senior staff are fully connected to decisions about brand activities. You'd like to think so. These steps will help us maintain focus on the things we do best. This is funny. Brewing great beer for all consumers while always making a positive impact in our communities and on our country, the company said. After the controversy erupted with Mulvaney, video surfaced of remarks that Heinerscheid made during a recent podcast in which she championed inclusivity in trying to change Bud Light's brand. Okay, I'm, we're going to hit the break here. And then I want to read, read her comments to you from a not-so-distant past which will tell you everything about what's going on here and and why brands like Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch in general. I mean, who's who's hiring these people? She made it pretty obvious what her worldview is and what her agenda is, which is totally woke. And as we're seeing time and time again in this culture, and I thank the Lord for this, uh, the more you go woke, increasingly the more you go broke, which is the way it should be with all this madness. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. I was just posting something on um, Rumble as well as Facebook Live for all of you out there in the video side of this world we inhabit. Uh, and and uh, I'm going to get back to that story of Anheuser-Busch. I just wanted to update everybody right quick on Steve Dace. Steve Dace is back home. Praise the Lord. And uh, he, he, he recorded from his hotel room up there in New York. Uh, it's about 43 minutes. Uh, it's a Steve Dace I've never heard before. I've known him for, Steve and I have been friends for 10 or 12 years, something like that. Uh, I've never heard him the way that you would hear him if you go listen to his podcast. So he literally recorded it very emotional. God really um, got to him on a number of levels. And uh, one of the things that I'm going to this text from earlier today that I listened to when Steve was talking about this, and it, and it sounds like he's kind of gone through, by no means am I comparing how God led me to this, but he took Steve down a very, very difficult road. And over the last several days, uh, and there's one thing that Steve said, and he, and he, and he, it's very emotional in this. You can tell he's crying a few times as he's sharing. But one thing that God impressed on him is that, hey, Steve, I'm looking for apostles, not assassins. Apostles, not assassins, which is uh, something I went through when I first got very involved in the culture war. And the problem with the culture war and these things like that I do, Steve does obviously on a bigger scale. Uh, as a Christian is that it tends to, at least it did in my case, and I, and he agreed with this because I texted him this earlier. Uh, this is, oh, I'll just tell you what I texted him because this is exactly what I was going to say. Apostles, not assassins. This is what he showed me several years ago as I fought the culture war. The war breeds self-righteousness, and sadly, that's addictive. Uh, it hinders sanctification because we look pretty good by comparison, meaning comparing ourselves to a lost culture. And it certainly kills evangelism and a heart for the lost. Jesus looked at the masses and wept. I look at the same group. I used to look at the same group and say, uh, to heck with them. We talk about saving America, but what about seeing Americans saved? And so is our number one job to come out here and condemn the world for its obvious sin? Or is it is that a small kingdom thing or a big kingdom thing? Save America, but what about seeing Americans saved? And so it's, I just put the links up on Facebook and Rumble. Uh, you can find it on his, on his Facebook page. You can find it at the Steve Dace uh, podcast. But it's, uh, he just simply entitled it. I'm looking at it on the Apple Podcasts app right now. Do not give up. Keep doing good. April 24th, 2023. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for working in Steve Dace's body and his life and his heart and his mind and his ministry. Uh, it's gonna be, he's taking the week off, which he never does. Uh, to rest, the Lord specifically impressed on him. You need to rest. It's just a really powerful testimony that you should listen to, especially if you listen to shows like mine, if you listen to shows like Steve, if you're paying a lot of attention to politics, which I know is easy to do and important, but I can't encourage you strongly enough to go listen to it. <clears throat> okay, so praise the Lord for Steve Dace. I asked him if he would come on the show here in the next week or so and share his experience, and he said, yeah, when he's, when he's ready in a week or so. So I'll, I'll let you know when that's going to happen. All right, back to this Anheuser-Busch, all these uh, two big marketing people on uh, leave, right? It wasn't their idea. It was the company's idea, which was smart. So here's the main uh, gal that did this. Are you allowed to say gal? 
Am I going to get sued for that? The main gal that did this uh, is younger, obviously. And here's what she said. This came out in a, uh, a podcast um, not that long ago. I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do, and I took over Bud Light, and it was this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time, and if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light, Heinerscheid said during the podcast. She said she had a super clear mandate to, quote, evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. Heinerscheid said she aimed to incorporate, quote, inclusivity, It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Representation is sort of at the heart of evolution. You have got to see people who reflect you in the work, whatever that means. We had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had this kind of brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important that we had another approach. (laughs) Which then cost your company about $4 billion in market gap because your uh, other approach, ma'am, uh, was stupid. And your, your brand is not about uh, your personal ideological audience. It's about its own audience, the Bud Light drinker, who's obviously, sorry, you Bud Light folks out there, not exactly a brew house connoisseur. It is what it is. And then she tried to take Bud Light and turn it into a platform for wokeism. She shouldn't just be on a temporary leave. She should be fired. They both should. And then whoever hired these two should be fired as well. So let the market speak and the market spoke and Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch got hammered. Pun intended. Uh, all right. So Biden, Biden's video is going to come out tomorrow. His, his I'm running for the office of president again video because when he announced the first time, it was on April 25th, and he's Mr. Superstitious. That's why he did his train wreck pull out of Afghanistan, which cost the lives of, uh, what, 11, 12, 15 service members? They did that on 9-11? Yeah, that's not too predictable. So his little video is going to come out tomorrow, pre-recorded, because that's probably the only way he could actually, they could actually get it done and edit it and make it look like he's up to it. But there's some interesting articles out here. Uh, an ABC News poll found that 60% of Americans think Trump shouldn't try to retake the Oval Office, but a bunch of them don't think Biden should either. At the same time, 70% of Americans think Biden should not seek a second term, including 51% of Democrats. Why is that? Because he's old and losing his marbles. That's why. Isn't it amazing that we have somebody like Biden? I put this up on Facebook the other day. Biden, Fetterman. Uh, the couple of transgender folks up there in the Biden administration, stuff like, I mean, that that's just the new face of the Democrat Party. People with deep emotional and mental illness and just literal illness, like in Biden's case. It's amazing. Here's another poll, Associated Press. Uh, half of Dems don't want Biden to run, but majority would support him anyway. Because this is ideology trumps reality, friends. Remember, I say that all the time. Ideology trumps reality. It doesn't matter if Fetterman had a major stroke and can't think and can't operate normally. Uh, We just need power. We need a seat. So you put him in there. Chauncey Gardner being there. Go look it up. And then you have Joe Biden, who is not capable of doing the job, despite the reluctance of many Democrats to see Biden run for another term. 78% of them say they approve of the job he's doing as president. And a total of 81% of Democrats say they would at least probably support Biden in a general election if he's the nominee. 
even though he's going to he's already the oldest president in the history of the country. He's going to be the oldest president to ever run again when he runs again starting tomorrow. And then you got the New York Times chiming in on that issue. The New York Times. Interesting days over there at the New York Times. Remember, they came out not that long ago. I covered it when it happened. <clears throat> when they came out and said, oh, yeah, the whole masking thing and all that stuff, that was all bogus. <laughs> Welcome to the Twilight Zone, my friend. Welcome to the Twilight Zone, where men are women, women are men, and the New York Times admits that the masks were bogus and Biden's too old. Wow. We'll be right back. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Since I was a little boy with a toy gun. Never really wanted to be number one. Yeah, you, you didn't know. Did you, when you became a Christian, did you know that you were walking into a war? It's a war that's been going on since Satan got kicked out of heaven. And a third of the angels fell with them, and that's just the deal. You you name the name of Christ as Lord and Savior. You're in a war. I think the challenge for a lot of us is we don't really... Uh, we know it's there. You know, we study Ephesians. We understand spiritual warfare. We just don't uh, operate on a daily basis thinking that this is actually happening all around us all the time. And obviously it is. And more so. Remember, we the progression, and I do this in my classes. Uh, what classes, Steve? Uh, Noble you, you know, the classes that I teach, high school age homeschoolers this fall will be year number 12. So if you have a son or daughter, grandson or granddaughter in the 8th to 12th grade, I would love to be able to teach them these classes, U.S. History, World History, Civics, and Christian Ethics. I know those subjects, there's, there's nothing going on in the world with respect to those subjects. But uh, if you want to check that out, the easiest thing, just text the word TRUTH to 66866. Text the word TRUTH to 66866. We'll get you uh, hooked up by email, get you the information, get you to the website. Also, we'll uh, send you two of the recent classes that I taught so you can see how I teach. I teach in real time. I teach like I do the radio show. The radio show stuff shows up in the classroom, which allows me to bring everything to current relevance. It brings the material alive. Otherwise, textbooks and these, these subjects are important, but by themselves, they're usually very boring. You probably remember that yourself. And they don't have any current relevance or application. Well, I can't help myself in that. That's what the beauty of doing a daily radio show and teaching at the same time uh, just works beautifully. I praise God for that. So if you want to check that out, just text the word truth to 66866. And, and for years, people, adults, you know, grownups like you and me have been like, man, is there any way I can take your classes? The answer to that now is yes, you can audit them. It's like 129 bucks. You'll get all the videos, all the video classes that I teach each each year. They're new every year because the news changes. And you can check that out as well. Just text TRUTH to 66866. Thanks, Josh. Uh, yes, please. TRUTH to 66866, and we'll uh, get you in that stream of information. All right, back to the New York Times. This is fascinating. The New York Times. President Biden needs to take voters' concerns about age seriously before campaigning for his second term, the New York Times editorial board wrote on Saturday, just a couple days ago. Wow. Appreciate the uh, obvious uh, honesty here. The editorial acknowledged that many Democrats, particularly younger ones, are worried that he will simply be too old to be effective in a second term, as if he's not too old to be effective right now, citing a poll that showed only 47% of Democrats want Biden to run again. More concerning, the article noted, was the Biden administration's hesitation on the topic of his age, despite Biden's plans to announce his second term on Tuesday, tomorrow. Concerns about age, both in terms of fitness for office and being out of touch with the moment, are legitimate. 
says the New York Times. But Mr. Biden has given voters very few chances to do just that, to watch him. And his refusal to engage with the public regularly raises questions about his age and health. That's why he campaigned from a garage three years ago. And he's going to do the exact same thing again. Mark my words. In previous articles, New York Times writers have remarked that Biden's age as a as a sensitive topic, an uncomfortable issue uh, regarding the president, though the editorial board claimed that Biden's State of the Union address presented an effective defense for critics of his age. Appearances like that, the editors wrote, are rare. Quote, he has held fewer news conferences and media interviews than most of his modern predecessors. Since 1923, only Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan took fewer questions per month per month from reporters, and neither represents a model of presidential openness that Mr. Biden should want to emulate. His reticence has created an opening for critics and skeptics, the New York Times wrote. The article follows an editorial from the Wall Street Journal that argued Biden's decline from his old age was clear to anyone who isn't willfully blind. No kidding. Quote, the public understands what Mr. Biden apparently won't admit, that electing an octogenarian in obvious decline for another four years could be an historic mistake. Good job, Wall Street Journal. Biden would be 82 years old if he wins a second term and currently holds the record. Yippee. As the oldest president to ever hold office over the past few years, multiple media outlets have expressed doubts, blah, 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 blah. Uh, even ABC's Terry Moran acknowledged on this week that voters are likely reluctant to support Biden for his age. Quote, my own sense is that most Americans don't want to vote for an 81-year-old running for president. Neither do they really want to vote for a 77-year-old running for president. That would be Trump. They'd like to go to the next generation. And I think part of the modesty is the Biden White House operation aware that public the, that people are uneasy with his age. No kidding. But they don't care. The beautiful thing for the liberals, for the Democrats with Biden, is that he's just like Fetterman. He's just a puppet. He's just a puppet. And the beautiful thing about a puppet is you can make him say and do whatever you want to use the president. Biden's challengers rage over lack of 2024 Dem debates. That's Robert F. Kennedy, who's uber liberal, nutty, except for he's pretty good on the COVID stuff. And then Marianne Williamson, who's just nutty. And of course, the uh, DNC is saying, yeah, we're not going to do any primary debates. Of course not, because that would make it even more obvious. But don't worry, everybody. It doesn't matter that the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. It doesn't matter when ideology trumps reality. I mean, this isn't complicated, is it? It's sad. It's disturbing. But it's not complicated. So what's happening on the other side of the idol? Freedom over Fauciism. Like, what would be your advice? to? I'm going to do a call-in show about this soon and just ask. If you were consulting the DeSantis campaign, and he'll go official next month. When you're, if you were consulting the DeSantis campaign, what, what, would be your, what would be your strategy with respect to Trump? Think about that. Could you imagine coming up with that? Uh DeSantis touted his anti-lockdown policies during the COVID-19 pandemic as the key to Florida's post-pandemic economic success, slamming the ideology of former National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Anthony Fauci as Fauciism. He was talking at the Heritage Foundation. He noted that after he won the Florida governor's mansion by a razor-thin margin in 2018, thanks to Trump, analysts told him to tread lightly to trim my sails, not to rock the boat, kind of keep my head down. He rejected that advice, obviously. 
and went on to, quote, get ahead of public opinion and, quote, advance a conservative agenda that would take Florida in a great direction. I've never consulted a poll about any decision I've made, DeSantis said. He criticized Republicans who get into office, and they're almost like potted plants. They don't want to do anything with the authority that they have. DeSantis touted the Sunshine State's freedom from a state income tax, recommending the policy for Maryland and Virginia. He also celebrated Florida's status, holding the second lowest state per capita tax burden in the United States and the second lowest per capita debt burden noting that his administration had accumulated the largest budget surplus in the history of the state of Florida by a country mile. Then he went on, and this is where he's going to go after Trump, I think. Now, none of that would have been possible had we not been the ones who remained calm when the world went mad during COVID, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue. We in Florida stood as a refuge of sanity, as a citadel of freedom for people in our state, coming in from other states and even people that came from around the world to escape what was going on in their states or their countries. We refused to let our state descend into some type of Faucian dystopia where people's livelihoods were destroyed and their freedoms were curtailed, DeSantis said. No, we chose freedom over Fauciism, and I think it's important. Every time we needed to step up, we did, DeSantis added. Then DeSantis got in a subtle dig at Trump. I think it's important, he said, that people aren't allowed to rewrite history about any of this. Fauciism was wrong. Fauciism was destructive. Fauciism was responsible for students being locked out of school throughout this country for a year. Fauciism was responsible for people being forced to take, take, to, to take backs. Fauciism was responsible for putting us on a path to some of the economic problems that we see now. We can never let that happen to our country again. Of course, he didn't mention DeSantis by name, but the former president previously had attacked him on COVID-19. So uh, Axios reported on Trump's five-part strategy against DeSantis, who poses the greatest risk to him. Former president reportedly plans to continue to attack DeSantis on COVID-19, focusing on the early days of the pandemic when DeSantis did briefly order lockdowns. Yet DeSantis reopened schools earlier than other states, opposed vaccine mandates, and refused to reimpose restrictions after the early COVID-19 outbreak. Trump has accused DeSantis of attempting to rewrite history, and DeSantis's remark Friday appears to be an attempt to turn the tables on the debate. We'll see. But that's what I would do. Who was holding the leash of the highest paid employee on the federal payroll. That was Pope Fauci. Who held his leash? Who had the ability to fire that runaway micro train? Uh, That would be Donald Trump. And he didn't. He ceded authority to him. Operationally. Did he not? Plus, you can say, Mr. Mr. Former President, I appreciate your desire to get the shot out for everybody. Uh, into an operation warp speed, but operation warp speed was a decision that was contrary to decades of medical experience that you do not release a massive quote unquote vaccine to millions. In fact, billions of people around the world after having only tested it for six or eight or nine months that usually takes six or eight or nine years. And that also was irresponsible. You ceded the authority of the United States' response to COVID to Pope Fauci. That's just my thought. (laughs) That's where I'm coming from. All right, let's set all that stuff aside. As as in the days of Noah, that's happening in the financial world, too. So when we come back, we'll talk to our buddy David Fisher from Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. A lot going on out there. Be in prayer. There's a lot to pray about. But don't lose hope. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. And as the uh, madness continues on the front pages of newspapers and news channels and the media, it's continuing uh, to a certain extent, well, a growing extent in the world of finance, which is why it's so important that we uh, keep our eye on the ball here when it comes to money and possessions. The Bible certainly does. Uh, there's so literally hundreds and hundreds of passages in the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, about money and possessions. We all know that we can struggle with this issue, this issue whether you have a little, uh, not enough, too much, more than enough, whatever the case may be, we, we tend to struggle with money and possessions. And so the Bible speaks to it uh, quite a lot, more than individual verses on prayer or even individual verses on faith. And so because of that, uh, that's why we spend uh, every Monday, a certain portion of the show every Monday. And the first Monday of the month, we do the whole show with our good friend, David Fisher from Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. David, welcome back. Thank you for having me, my brother. Uh, as always, my pleasure. And uh, I, I, I love our Money Monday updates because we always start uh, where we should, not just this, this portion of the show, but each day for all of us, which is in a passage of Scripture. And this one, uh, this one is... We should all be <laughs> revisiting this one regularly because we can all face uh, significant challenges in our lives, as you've shared in your own life with, with your physical challenges in your heart and everything. But First Chronicles 28, such a powerful passage. We'll start there. Yes, as uh, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. So the key is, is not what we do, it's what the Lord is telling us. He's, and when God is with us, who can be against us? Then we can have confidence. We don't have to be afraid and operate making decisions out of fear, but have a sound mind and not be a discouraged person, but be a person that's confident in that God is at work within us. Yeah, such a powerful reminder, and, and go back to that one portion. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Uh, a yep. reminder that we all have work to do from the Lord. Uh, most of that is spelled out clearly in Scripture. It's how you live your life, how you treat others, how you serve, how you give, your generosity. It's also stewarding your gifts, your spiritual gifts, and then it's also being a steward of the time that we have. And are we generous towards people in, in listening and in serving and in giving and, and meeting people where they're at? That That's all the work that we're called to do. Uh, but don't ever get discouraged in that. That That's so, so important. I think a lot of us will, will kind of look at our own efforts in this world, David, and then compare, and then compare them to the news cycle or what's going on in the headlines. It's like, ah, it's not making a difference. The world's going to heck in a handbasket. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> Because God is still in charge, and we all have things to be about. Our Father's Amen. business. Such a great reminder. Okay, so uh, recession or not, we'll start there. Uh, it's coming. The, the stock market uh, says, here's the title of an article from CNBC. And by the way, the producer, if you can work on getting that feedback in my ears, I'm hearing my voice quite okay. a bit more than normal. Sorry about um, that. So the title of the article says, A Recession is Coming and Stock Market Won't Come Through It Unscathed. So this is a strategist, Chris Whaling, chief executive. He runs a advisory, financial advisory firm from Longview Economics. He's saying, and he wrote, a very compelling and brutally bad leading economic 
uh, report. He's using a economic indicator that we're going to use today. It's called the the Conference Board, uh, and they came out uh, on Thursday. The leading economic index it fell by 1.2 percent in March. So people are going like, what What does that mean, and what does that have to do with me? So the Conference Board is a non a profit or not-for-profit research organization. It's not the government. This is independent. And they are saying that it's getting worse. I'll make this really simple. We had a decline in the economy in March, 1.2%. We've been declining every month consecutively for 12 months straight, this report says. The only other time, there's only two other times where these declines were greater in duration. Lehman Brothers, when they went under, that was a 13-month decline of the economy. Mm -hmm. And prior to that was 2007 through 2008. We had 22 straight months. That was the recession. So this entity is forecasting we are going to have severe problems moving forward because they say the economic weakness will intensify and spread more widely throughout the U.S. economy in the coming months. They are saying we're not going to have a soft landing. There's no signs of a recovery. And the trajectory course that they're saying is signals a recession will happen in the next 12 months. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's the document that's using facts and data and history. So what, why does it seems like the mainstream financial media is uh, trying to keep hope alive, as it were, and, and, and they rarely paint uh, the mainstream ones. It, they rarely paint this like, uh, oh, my goodness, the sky is falling. So, so what, why such a different picture there? So I don't want to paint the, the picture that the sky is falling because that would say the Lord is not on the throne and he right. is on the throne. Amen. But we're financially sound. And him, but the markets are not necessarily financially sound, and the economy is not that. So, you know, if they painted a bad picture, just like if the president said, get your money out of the bank, the banks aren't safe, there'd be a run on the banks. If they said the stock market wasn't safe because we're going to head into recession, we'd see, they call it the second lost decade, which is what we had in the 70s. So it's a dysfunction that's going on in the news media. The market is or excuse me, the economy is dysfunction. And I, you want to talk about dysfunction. I mean, the Biden administration has all kinds of dysfunction over spending. And this, here's one for you, just on a side note. If you have good credit, A1 credit, your credit score is 740 points or higher. You're actually being deemed for having good credit in your new mortgage applications. Then you have, if you have bad credit, under 640, so they adjust your mortgages, your 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 interest rate, uh, down by 0.125% if you have good credit. But if you have bad credit, they adjust it three times as much down. This is social economics. This is why we can't figure out how to pay down the debt, how we can't balance our budget. And here's another fact. Just I'm blown away with the facts I learned. $1.1 trillion is the six months we've overspent in deficit spending, federal wow. deficit spending, the Treasury just announced last week. That's $2.2 trillion is the pace we are on. I'm way off in my projections. I said we're overspending by a trillion dollars. It's now $2.2 trillion. 
Yeah, and they want to and, – and once again, let's punish the successful. So if you have great credit score, we have to take care of the small guys who can't get there because, well, we don't believe in meritocracy, so we're going to ding you and we're going to help the people that actually have bad credit. I mean, it's, socialism destroys everything it touches, and they're running uh, full speed towards that. What about de-dollarization? Remind everybody what that is and, and an update because this is a huge issue. So it's like the tide. The tide has been going out. Dollars have been going out over to the other countries of the world for 40 years. Now the tide's coming back. Dollars are being sent back to the United States because the world is getting rid of them. That's called de-dollarization. So it's, unfortunately, Steve, I've been saying this has been happening. It's happening at a much faster rate than I even thought. The countries so far, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, India, Argentina, South Africa, parts of Europe, specifically France, Malaysia, China, and Russia, I can rattle off a whole bunch of countries, and maybe next month we'll have a whole many, yeah. twice as many countries. But the bottom line is the, there's an asset firm out of London who specializes in currency and looking at the world reserve currency. And they are said in a report that the dollar is losing its reserve status at the fastest pace in history. The dollar has suffered a stunning collapse, I'm reading from the report, in its market share. It has dropped 55% in less usage in 2021. It fell to the lowest in history of 47% in global reserves. In other words, 40% percent of all the central banks the reserves are dollars they used to be like 80 or 90 percent wow, he says we are witnessing in 22 the defund the police movement in other words he's saying we are the policing of the right, world right he said in the last thing in the report it says the greenback share of global reserves slid last year 10 times more than the average speed of any other year going back two decades wow. so it's like a snowball that's just Going at light speed. Well, yeah, everybody's jumping off at the Titanic, and unfortunately there's people on the Titanic that think the Titanic's going to be fine, uh, and it's not. And so we have to continue to pay attention. It's one of the biggest stories out there that doesn't get mainstream coverage hardly at all. What about uh, gold and silver? How are they reacting to all of this? Well, it's uh, starting to – it had a little overview of a, a big movement. It pulled back just a hair, but it's only a slight breath. And gold prices are set to go higher. Jess Felder, he's a – writes the Felder Report, says gold prices are going to soar now. When you look at the deficit, because he pulled out the, what Janet Yellen said, central banks, they bought the most amount of gold. They're up 152% more buying of gold in 2022 than 2021, according to the World Gold Council. Silver, don't, let's not leave that out. The, the demand is over the top. The supply is thin. I know I don't have time to go over it, but call my company and learn about that. Yeah, so we've got... Uh... The coming bailing, you got the good, the bad, and the ugly. You got the white papers as well as just good old fashioned jump on the phone. So if people want to get educated, and they definitely should. David, what do they do? Yeah, they should. Obviously, we're here to help. 844 604 2575. Again, 844 604 2575 or landmarkgold.com. Excellent. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for helping us and sharing your wisdom with us. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, my brother. All right, pal. We'll talk soon. Uh, This is Steve Noble. This is the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.